0: Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you. We praise you for the testimonies you gave us even this morning in regards to the wisdom of your word and how you've, you've shown us that your son is the means of salvation for us. We praise you, Lord, for your word given to us and how you tell us of your nature and your character, Lord. We praise you for your love and your faithfulness. And we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What was that that you said, Anne-Marie? You said something to the effect of, the world will tell you what it wants you to hear, won't it? How many of us get informed from life or about life from the internet. Oh, come on, raise your hands. You almost can't avoid it, can you? I mean, every time you turn on the computer, every time you flick on your phone or look at what's going on with your Facebook friends, the internet wants to give you a story about what's happening in the world, whether it's true or not, right? How, how many of you have found yourself believing something that you read on the interweb, but you later found out was completely fake news. Don't raise your hands. Right? There was a time when something, if something was in print, it could pretty much be trusted, right? At least you knew the author, or knew that the author and the work had been vetted to some extent. You could look at a certain publishing house and a certain editor's name, and you knew based upon these witnesses... Pretty much, what kind of author this would be, or, or what their angle might be, and whether or not you actually wanted to read the book. Witnesses, witnesses, or evidence, or testimonies to the truth of things—they are—they are very important. We don't want to believe everything we see, do we? We—we we can't, can we? As Abraham Lincoln said, Oh, where'd Abraham Lincoln go? Oh, come on. That was like a funny example. It was fantastic. (laughs) Abraham Lincoln isn't up there. Anyways, Abraham Lincoln said something to this effect. You can't believe everything you read on the internet. (laughs) And we shouldn't believe everything we just just see out there, but we also don't want to disbelieve everything we see either. We, We ought to listen to somebody who can demonstrate the truth Uh, of what they say even if we don't agree with them on on whatever subject that might be but but always check their publisher always check their editor always check their bibliography what is the witnesses to what they have to say check their witnesses check their sources check their testimonials right go ahead and open up your bible to john chapter 5 we're going to look at some witnesses today john chapter 5 we're going to start in verse 31 Let's stand up together for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 5, starting at verse 31, it says, and this is Jesus speaking, If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. His voice you've never heard, his form you've never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe in the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from people, but I know that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, then you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Reading of God's Word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you. In the Old Testament... God tells his people in Deuteronomy chapter 19, he says, "...a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrongdoing in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established." This became a standard of evidence in any circumstances so that no issue could become obscured by a, a he said, she said kind of a situation. Two to three witnesses determines the truth of a matter. In our passage today, Jesus says to the Jewish religious leaders, he says, don't believe just me. Check my sources. Here's the people and the evidence that will back up what I say. And I won't just give you two or three. I will give you four witnesses. Twice the required number according to the law. And each of these witnesses are are witnesses that you have admired or you say you trust or or things you say you are looking for. These are the witnesses that you called to the stand. In the Old Testament, God promised to send a messenger, a forerunner of the Messiah, the Christ, in order to prepare his way. We find this in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God, which when the Pharisees approach John the Baptist and they say, what do you have to say about yourself? John says in chapter 1 verse 23 of our gospel here. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And Malachi, God prophesied. He said, behold, there it is, Malachi chapter 4 verse 5, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, which Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 11. Verses 7 to 10 and 14. Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah, who is to come. John the Baptist was sent by God, and his ministry and his witnesses were foretold to us by Scripture. In verse 32 to 35, we read, There is another who bears witness about me, and I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. The Religious leaders were willing to rejoice in his light for a time. They, they were blessed in some fashion by his ministry. They understood at least it had some kind of purpose from God. This was a man that they had some amount, some kind of respect for, and John said in chapter 1, verse 34, I have seen and bore witness that this, Jesus, is the Son of God. That was his witness. But the witness of mankind can be tainted, can't it? We see it in the world around us every day. The world does indeed tell us what it wants us to hear. It's not too hard to dredge up a few false witnesses, people who can spin their words in order to support a false narrative, to make up a truth of our own. We see this very thing happen at Jesus' trial and the resulting crucifixion, don't we? So even though John's testimony is true, let's set that one aside for a moment. Verse 34, Jesus says, not that the testimony that I receive is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. Jesus tells them further in, in regards to mankind in verse 41 he says I do not receive glory from people but I know that you do not have the love of God within you I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me if another comes in, my, in his own name you will receive him how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God human witness and opinion is broken and fallen, our, our opinions, our thoughts are easily swayed by those who make us feel good about ourselves, and we're all too willing to trade the truth for something that pleases us. But if we set aside the witness of mankind, what, what other witnesses are there for Jesus? If we remove human witness, who else will testify for Jesus that what he says is True. Several times we read in the Gospels that the Jewish leaders wanted to see a sign. They wanted some kind of miracle to affirm the things that Jesus claimed to be true. And we already read in John chapter 2 how they asked for a sign of authority after Jesus cleared the temple. In Matthew chapter 12 we can read how they, after they had condemned Jesus for casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, through the power of the devil, they again asked him, for a sign. They say they want some evidence and they say, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Verse 36 of our chapter today, our passage. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. As we spoke about some last week, Jesus did things that only God could do. And these works stand as evidence, as proof to everything that Jesus said about himself. In this Gospel of John, we've looked at who Jesus is through what he did. As in his omniscience, he saw Nathaniel sitting under that fig tree where it's apparent from the context that it was not possible for Jesus to have seen Nathanael sitting under that fig tree, and he he just shocks Nathanael into belief as Nathanael declares, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Then in the next chapter, Jesus shows his power over creation as he turns plain water into perfect wine. In Mark chapter 4, you can read of how he, he calms the wind and the waves at his words. At which the disciples wonder in great fear, Whom then is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus publicly heals the unhealable. As he did this with the lame men that we looked at a couple of weeks back. As he did this with a woman in Luke chapter 8 who who touched his cloak and was healed after she had spent all of her money on all of these physicians who could do absolutely nothing for her. And we'll see him give sight to a, mourn, a man born blind in John chapter 9. Even if one cannot believe the testimony of man, let the works that Jesus did speak for him. And, and let's not allow ourselves to sit here in some kind of postmodern arrogance. Mankind likes to think that we know better today than the people before us ever did, right? In this day and age, we understand that those are just miracle stories. The people before us, our, our forefathers, were not stupid. In fact, they were more innovative than we are with what they had. Think about it 4,500 years ago, 4,500 years ago, they built pyramids with ropes, rocks, and sticks and ingenuity and we look back at such a construction project and we say to ourselves how in the world did they ever do that it's impossible we can't figure it out so you know what it must have been aliens (laughs) who's the stupid one Uh, that's what the history channel says right and and that's the history channel they know what they're talking about No one at the time of Christ denied that Jesus healed. No one denied that he raised Lazarus from the dead. They didn't like it. They feared it. But they weren't stupid enough to try and deny it. And his works bear witness to his truth. Next he tells us that the Father, God, is his witness. Verses 37-38. And the Father who sent me, has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. In Matthew, we read that the, the Spirit descended on Jesus, and the Father testifies in this way. He says, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And later in Matthew chapter 17 we read how the glory of Jesus was put on display for Peter, James and John to witness at his transfiguration. They went up to a mountain and Jesus went with them and and he, the glory of who Jesus is was shown to them, put on display, and here again the Father testifies to them saying, "Behold, A bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Twice we hear the Father bearing witness, telling us who Jesus is, as he is a witness and stands as evidence for the Son. The final witness that Jesus calls to the stand is Scripture. Verses 39 and 40, You search the Scriptures, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I know That's it. That's where I'm stopping. Right there. Jewish leaders put great value on the word of God. On the Old Testament scriptures. And, and rightly so because the scriptures are indeed the words of God. Full of wisdom. Full of moral truth. Full of God's law. And they describe for us God's plan of salvation, telling us of the very Savior that they themselves had been looking for. From Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we get that proto-evangelium, that first glimpse of the gospel when God says that the child of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. We get that virgin birth and the, the, the child that would be born would be able to defeat Satan. In the life of Joseph, we see a type or a foreshadowing of the Christ as one who is believed dead by the evil actions of his brothers. What they meant for evil, God meant for good. And God brought salvation not only to Israel, his father, but to his family and to the Gentile Egyptians as well. We also see in Jonah, he spent three days in the belly of a fish coming out of there to bring salvation to the Ninevites. Moses spoke to the people about a prophet who would come after him, one who knew the Lord face to face, and one who would be from among the people of Israel. Psalm 22 describes for us the crucifixion of Christ in all of its awful detail. Isaiah tells us of the virgin birth, that the child would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, that he would be called Mighty God then he tells us that the servant of God would be marred beyond human semblance, beyond human recognition as Jesus was beaten and whipped in our place. That he would be despised and rejected by men in our place. He would be pierced for our transgressions as Jesus would be nailed to a cross. He would do all of this in our place for our sins as Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. The entirety of the Old Testament, the law, the prophets, the poetry, the history, All of them point us to Jesus as he fulfills prophecy after prophecy, word after word. And the the things that I mentioned this morning aren't even a, a small part of the immense scriptural evidence that Jesus is the Christ, is the Son of God. John the Baptist, the miraculous works that Jesus did, and he did them with authority. The Father. And the Scriptures, these four, they all bear witness to the truth of Christ and the gospel of salvation that comes in Christ alone. Christians, we should be educated. We should be educated. We we should be knowledgeable about the evidence of Jesus so that we can have that, that confidence, that assurance of our faith. And as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, you heard it earlier, in your hearts honor Christ as the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you and be able to do it with gentleness and respect. We can do it better with gentleness and respect the better we know the facts. We don't have to get offended because we know the truth. Know your Saviour. If you haven't, let me plug BTC real quick. Know your Savior. Go to the Bible Training Center. Take advantage of this new session because a new session won't come up for another two and a half years. You can't join in the middle of it, so make sure you sign up for this one if you're able and willing. And as Christians, we really should desire a deeper knowledge of our Savior. Savior. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, know that there is one who saves and there is one who accuses you. There is one who still stands before God and accuses you. And we know that's Satan, right? No. Satan accuses you, but pay no attention to him. One we need to worry about. Verse 45 to 47. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you. Moses. On whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Moses. How does does Moses accuse us? Moses wrote the law. Moses wrote the law, and the law is a system of works that God put into place that, that his people would honor and worship him, that they would know who he is and approach him appropriately, living according to his perfect moral standard. But God also gave us the law at least in part, so that we would come to an understanding, that we would understand that our salvation cannot come from our own works. Our own deeds will always be insufficient because we all, every last person, fails at keeping the law to some extent. We all sin at one point or another in our lives. And as the law shows us our shortfall, shows us where we can never reach that perfection of God, it also makes a list. The law makes a list, a a legal ledger of your guilt before God. And it accuses you. And it accuses me. And rightly so. But I don't know the law, you might say. How can it have anything against me? God tells us that even those who do not know the law of God that was given to us through Moses are a law unto ourselves. Romans chapter 2, starting in verse 12, says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. We all will die. The day will come when we it's appointed to all men once to die and then comes judgment. And all men has broken the law, even if we're only condemned by the law that is written in our own hearts. All the things that we've done, that we ourselves understand when we look at back at what we've done, we say, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't walk in these ways. All the things that we condemn others for, right? Right? And yet have found ourselves doing, lying or or hating or stealing or lusting or whatever it might be. The law, the law of God, or the law in our own hearts that is written on our hearts from God, our Creator, will accuse and condemn us before God. But Jesus, Jesus came to save us from our sins when when we all eventually stand before that perfect Creator, the Holy God, He comforts us with these words. He says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross in Christ Jesus by faith in him, that ledger that the law holds against us and accuses us with, it's washed away, it's nailed to the cross. That's what Christ did with that ledger. If you receive Christ as your Savior... Consider who Jesus is and the evidence that supports him. The witnesses are there. He died to wash your sins away. He rose as the promise of your hope of eternal life. Receive him as your Lord and Savior today. Be freed from your ledger and be restored to your creator. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. For you are not only the God of our creation, but you're you're the God of our salvation. And between those two, you laid out witnesses. You laid out evidence to the truth of who you are and what you were going to do for us and have done for us in Jesus Christ. And you've reminded us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him that there is salvation in Christ alone. Help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to the tr- these truths. Help us to receive them, to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. If there's any heart here that has not done that, I pray, Lord, that this, today would be the day that they wouldn't let another day go by without acknowledging the truth and the witnesses of Christ. Lord, for those of us who have received Christ, I pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you would empower us, open our eyes to opportunities to share that gospel truth with those around us. Help us to encourage one another, build each other up as a church family, and bear witness. Use us as tools in your hands, we pray, in Jesus Christ's name, amen.